0: The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org.
1: It really is our imperfection that makes us a perfect hero because we know from a personal experience Uh, And that is what allows us to connect with someone else who also knows pain, loss, and imperfection.
0: He says it's our imperfections that make us likely candidates to be a hero in someone's life. Welcome to First Person and our guest Rodney Bullard, who says that what we need are more heroes. I'm Wayne Shepard. We'll talk about that in a moment. Thanks for listening. Each week we meet someone new who has a story to tell of how faith in Christ calls them to a unique place of service in the kingdom. These conversations are archived and can be accessed and downloaded through our smartphone app, First Person Interview, which is available free for both iPhone and Android in your app store. You can also join us online at facebook.com firstpersoninterview. Our guest, Rodney Bullard, is the Vice President of Community Affairs for Chick-fil-A, Incorporated and Executive Director of the Chick-fil-A Foundation. He is also the author of Heroes Wanted. After attending the Air Force Academy, he served in the U.S. Air Force and has also worked for the Department of Justice and NASA. Now, with Chick-fil-A, Rodney joined me on the phone recently, and as we began, I mentioned that his resume shows the great opportunities he's had to serve.
1: It does, my friend. I was a White House fellow, and I had a chance to work for the head of NASA, and uh, I figured I would never get another opportunity, or I might not ever get another opportunity to work uh, at NASA and to see all the things that I did at the time. So, amazing place. So, how in the world does a guy like you with that background,
0: including criminal prosecution, end up as Vice President of Community Affairs at Chick-fil-A and Executive Director of the Chick-fil-A Foundation?
1: Yes, it, it, I get that question uh, quite frequently. And, you know, at the end of the day, much of what I have done in the past has been serving people, whether it was serving in the Air Force or whether it was even as a federal prosecutor serving the community by helping to uh, to put people behind bars. Uh, and now I get a chance to do that from a corporate perspective, and we get a chance to really hopefully... Uh, help communities, and ensure that every child grows up to be everything they were created to be. Mm -hmm. So we invest in leadership, really, at the end of the day.
0: What's your background? I know you grew up in the home of a pastor, is that correct?
1: I did. So my mother is an educator, and my father, a Baptist minister who also previously played for the Denver Broncos. And so as I tell folks, my father, uh, a big offensive lineman, (laughs) former offensive lineman turned Baptist (laughs) minister, laid hands on me, or at least I was always afraid he would lay hands on me. So, <laughs> And
0: uh, that faith became very personal for you at some point.
1: I grew up in the church. I grew up uh, with my father as my pastor. I grew up with a praying grandmother and uh, a praying mother and was introduced to, uh, to faith uh, very early on. And that has shaped my walk. It has shaped uh, I pray, my talk. Uh, I have a Beautiful family with a ten-year-old son, and we're trying to to give him that blessing of faith as well. Hmm. Uh, and so it is is definitely is definitely something that is uh, core to who I am.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me about your responsibilities at Chick Fil A. This is pretty interesting to me.
1: So I am charged with the philanthropic uh, strategy and implementation for Chick Fil A. Corporate, and uh, and I've been honored to ask to be to lead the Chick-fil-A Foundation. Uh, and we focus from the Chick-fil-A Foundation's perspective on a number of things, but really our core mission is to ensure that every child grows up to be everything they were created to be. And we do that in a host of ways. We do that by investing in communities because we know strong communities allow and foster the the environment where a child can thrive. And so we know safe communities, we know education is critically important. Uh, we know that children can go from poverty and lack and uh, despair in one generation just through education. And so we invest in a host of ways to do that. We particularly invest in our hometown of Atlanta, but we do invest throughout the nation. And this past year, we were blessed to, uh, to really impact over 5 million families mm. positively uh, through our work, sounds like you have a great
0: responsibility, and and I'm I'm guessing you have a lot of fun doing it too.
1: I do. It is a it's amazing. Uh, when I got to Chick fil A some years ago, we were able to start the Chick fil A Foundation. So, uh, and I get a chance to work with an amazing group of people at Chick fil A who have this egalitarian spirit of service and really just this authentic desire to help people. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, as you help children, this must be especially meaningful for you because your own start as a, as a child in first grade wasn't
1: exactly a fast start, was it? It was not. It was not. And, uh, and so, you know, in reference to, to first grade, I uh, have written a book called Heroes Wanted. And, uh, and part of what I talk about in Heroes Wanted is my first grade teacher. Hmm. Talk about a little lady by the name of Mrs. Adams. And when I was in first grade, I had a difficult time reading And my mother asked me, uh, my mother received a call from a, a very prestigious private school here in Atlanta that I was going to, and they said that I was having a difficult time. And my mother had a hard decision to make. She moved me to another school, a less prestigious school here in Atlanta, but still a good school. And I met a little lady by the name of Mrs. Adams. And I say little because I, I was as tall as Mrs. Adams in first grade. Is that right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was afraid of Mrs. Adams because I was afraid she would find out uh, that I had a difficult time reading. And she did. Mm. And she called my mother at the end of the school year. And she said, Mrs. Bullard Rodney is a fine young man, but he's having a hard time reading. But I would like to take the time to teach him to read phonetically throughout the summer, and she did just that. Hmm. And I was reading two and three grade levels ahead of my peers at the end of the summer because of the time she invested in me.
0: So she is really number one hero in your book, right?
1: She is definitely uh, one of the uh, the top heroes in my book. I still have to reserve the, the place of of honor for my parents, who have always been uh, my top heroes, and, and without their... Their guidance and really their uh, their tutelage, I would not be here either. Yeah. Well, talk more specifically about your mom
0: and dad. You mentioned your dad was a offensive lineman, so <laughs> I would imagine yeah. you, you know you you know you you kind of paid attention when he spoke, right?
1: Absolutely, my father is a big gentle man, and one of the things I learned from my father in particular was just nurture. My father would often uh, go out and help people who were downtrodden, who, uh, who were having a difficult time in life. Uh, and I recall uh, always being around uh, gentlemen who were in some sort of crisis, but my father was there uh, helping them, giving them odd jobs. Uh, it might be cleaning up a rental house. It might be cutting grass. But I was, as a child, right next to those men. And it taught me not to be a respecter of person. I've been blessed to, to know people from uh, working in the White House and at NASA uh, and the Pentagon, but I also recognize that those people are no different and no better than the people that my father uh, introduced me to at a young age who were who are in crisis. And that's really the, the premise of the book, Heroes Warrant, that at the end of the day, we all have the opportunity to be someone else's hero and that we all are flawed, and that we all uh, need somebody's assistance at some point, and we also have the opportunity to offer assistance at some point. Yeah.
0: What is it about your mom that makes her a hero?
1: My mother's resilience. My mother is uh, an absolute rock. Uh, The wind can blow, and the storms can howl, but my mother is going to be very steady, Mm -hmm. and she was always pushing me for greater things, and she gave me this sense that I could do anything, and that I could fly, and that confidence that my mother instilled in me uh, takes me through difficult situations and it takes me through fair weather situations.
0: And you mentioned your family today. Can you just introduce us to them?
1: Yes, and so I I married my hospital sweetheart. Actually, your hospital sweetheart, oh, my hospital sweetheart. <laughs> I was born three days before my wife in the same hospital here in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) When did
0: you make that connection?
1: (laughs) So I made that connection when my my mother would talk about a baby who was in the hospital. Uh, And I don't tell my wife this, but at the time she was five pounds larger than me when we were born <laughs> okay uh, our secret your secret is safe with me we, yeah, yeah. our secret is safe <laughs> we, we've switched that equation so that's that's a good thing but a <laughs> mother would talk about this baby that had pink mittens on her on her fist because she was gnawing and, and gumming her fist even oh, as a baby oh. and uh and then my wife after a year after being born her family moved into the same neighborhood as my family and uh and so Lily, not only the same hospital, but the same neighborhood, and we grew up together. Hmm. And you mentioned you have a son? We do. We're fortunate to have a 10-year-old son. His name is Brendan, and he is uh, an amazing little boy. Wow.
0: What what a great life God has given you. It's amazing the opportunities that come along. You you have to look back with a, a sense of real gratefulness.
1: I do. I do. And that's not to say that they haven't been storms, and they aren't storms. I think every life has its difficulties. Um, but... I do look back with a great sense of gratefulness, and I look back with a great sense of awareness that God orders our steps, and that He orchestrates our success, uh, and we just have to lean and rely upon Him. We'll
0: continue talking with Rodney Bullard about the need for heroes in our culture, coming up on First Person. This program is supported each week by the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'm Ed Cannon, the president of FEBC. These first-person stories of God at work in people's lives always encourage me. And at FEBC, we want to encourage you even more with God's Word. Take a moment to sign up for our daily, online, 30-day devotional featuring stories and scripture. You can sign up easily at FirstPersonInterview.com. Go there today, FirstPersonInterview.com. My guest is Rodney Bullard, who is currently vice president of community affairs at Chick Fil A and executive director of the Chick Fil A Foundation. Tremendous background this man has in so many areas, and now he's written a book called "Heroes Wanted: Why the World Needs You to Live Your Heart Out." Rodney, I read this book. Uh, I I really love Thank this you. book. This this book is uh, is is a great one for our day and age. I tell you, if we ever needed a book like this, it's right now. Yes.
1: We do, uh, with so many things going on uh, in the news, shootings, and, and uh, all sorts of difficulties in every community uh, and division in our country at this point, whether it be politically or otherwise. Uh, I hope that the book gives us uh, the inspiration to reach out across division and divide and gives us the uh, kind of a, a roadmap to be someone else's hero.
0: The challenge you present in this book is that the world needs us. it needs each and every person. You
1: no, know, oftentimes we think that a superhero, a singular superhero, may be a very wealthy person, maybe a politician, uh, but somebody of influence and power can save a situation, can change the, the ills and the difficulties of the world. But as, as I get older, I've come to believe that the millions save millions. It's not a single person, but all of us have a responsibility. In fact, there's a story in the book. uh, A good friend of mine is a professor at Emory's School of Theology here in Atlanta. And his name is Greg Ellison. And when Greg was six years old, he asked his Aunt Dot, he said, how do I change the world? And Aunt Dot replied, baby, I don't know how you change the world, but I do know you can change the three feet around you. Mm Mm-hmm. And the notion that we all have three feet that we can utilize for good or for bad every day, and we get to make that choice as to whether or not we notice somebody who uh, is on the street, or we notice somebody who might be sweeping or doing a job that we don't typically notice, or whether we smile, or whether we're hospitable, or whether in in a greater sense, we get a chance to actually act as a big H hero and change a situation, but both, both acts, both choices are meaningful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You mentioned in your book at the beginning about the, the large H hero and the small H hero. And, you know, as we record this conversation, we've tragically had another school shooting in the news and there have been some large H heroes who have come out of that story. Uh, Some men who gave their lives uh, to protect, protect their students. That's what you mean by a large H hero is someone who actually lays down their life.
1: That's exactly what I mean. Uh, and who at least risked their life. Uh, and, and it's very unfortunate that we are in the situation of yet another school shooting, yet another mass shooting where someone did have to make a choice to lay down their life for another. Uh, and I think that informs that we need more heroes, that we want more heroes, that we, have to demand more heroes. And we have to demand that not just of others, but of ourselves.
0: And then a small H hero
1: is what? So a small H hero really is that everyday hero, that three feet around us that we have an opportunity there to, to notice little things and to be the change that we want to see in the world.
0: So many people feel like if they can't be a large H hero, then... What's the use? And we need we need both, don't we?
1: We do. And and people feel people often feel two things when it comes to being a hero. Uh, one, they feel like they are imperfect, inadequate, and that they can't actually do it. And uh, we all are imperfect. Hmm. It really is our imperfection that makes us a perfect hero, because it's the empathy that we we have for others because we know from a personal experience of pain and loss and imperfection. Uh, And that is what allows us to connect with someone else who also knows pain, loss, and imperfection. Mm -hmm. Uh, And secondly, people think, well, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough to give. Uh, And the truth of the matter is we all have something to give. We oftentimes suffer from the only syndrome where I only have so much time, but we can reframe that and we can instead say, I just have a drop in the bucket to give, but I know if everybody gives their drop in the bucket, we can fill the bucket. Um, And so your only is just enough. Yeah.
0: So where do you advise that people start? If they want to make a difference, a real difference, where do they start? I know it starts with ourselves, but what's another step?
1: I would suggest two things. One, a sober evaluation of what moves you, what convicts you. When you look out and you see uh, the problems or you see the opportunities to engage and help others, what moves you on on a spiritual level, on an emotional level? You can't change everything and, and we can't do everything. We're only human and we're only individuals, but we can connect in that place that we are convicted and that we're called. And then secondly, I would say to be a friend. Uh, I recall a conversation I had with a young lady who said, I don't know how to engage in a community that's different than me, uh, where the people look differently than me and they have different opportunities than I do. uh, And I just don't know what to say. I don't want to be condescending. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And my answer back was be a friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, We all need a friend and we all know how to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. You include
0: quite a bit of Scripture in your book. Um, I don't know if you have any verse in mind at the moment, but just to let listeners know that the book has the Scripture references as well there. And then the chapters, they all start with C. We won't talk about each chapter here at the moment, but I I do want to talk about a couple of them for just a brief time. Um, We talk a lot about calling, and that's your very first chapter. Calling is so very important. How do you look at calling?
1: I look at calling as... uh, I call it calling a heart off purpose. And I think it really is finding your passion, finding what moves you, finding that passion, but then answering and having the courage. Uh, and many of the chapters really overlap one another because uh, you have to have the courage and the conviction to to answer your calling. Recently, I've been watching a number of superhero movies with my son and recently watched the movie Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of the things that I realized is that every, every superhero has a calling is answering some, uh, so trying to solve some problem. Uh, and I think that's what calling really is about, trying to solve some problem and what is that problem for
0: you. Yeah, you say as a hero, your call is to give your all for someone else. This is your measure. This yeah. is your mission. That's powerful. Yes. And then let me, let me talk to you for a moment about community. Um, you know, there's so many other good things we could mention about the book, but tell me about the importance of community in, in being a hero.
1: Community is is so important, and it's one of the goals of being a hero. Uh, at the end of the day, we have social media, and we have all sorts of devices, but many times those devices isolate us, and uh, and we don't have as much community as we used to. and uh, the goal of reaching out and connecting with someone else is not only edifying for that person, but also edifying for us personally. And that should be our goal: to have true community and to reach out across division and divide yeah. to to further that community. And it's not an insular community; it's not a community just of of those who are like me. But we all have the commonality of being God's children. But we also have the commonality. Of uh, in so many different other ways, and, and there's more that unites us than divides us.
0: Can you bring to mind an example of of a community and in, in your work with Chick fil A? What what a story of what's really working?
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, just this morning, I was able to uh, to attend a meeting that we have been having on the west side of Atlanta for the last two years. And on the west side of Atlanta, uh, we have a number of of difficulties we have. Uh, challenges with education. We have challenges with crime. We have challenges with uh, with housing and blight and housing blight. Um, but as a community, the corporate community—Chick Fil A, Coca Cola, the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank, uh, who owns who was one of the former owners of Home Depot and now owns the Atlanta Falcons—have come together uh, to say. We can create community for a community that's different than us. And so every other Friday, we have a meeting, uh, and people come from all walks of life, rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic. uh, Some are realtors. Some are just interested community citizens. And we had about 250 to 300 people who come out at 7 a.m. in the morning. They eat Chick-fil-A, and we talk about and hear solutions the problem. And people have been doing this for two years consecutively. So I know that community can be built Hmm. and and sustained.
0: Well, in addition to calling and community, you talk about commitment and compassion, connection, conviction, courage, charity, and confidence. It all adds up to a great book, Heroes Wanted, Why the World Needs You to Live Your Heart Out. Uh, Rodney, what's what's your your final word of challenge to us to get into the game, so to speak?
1: I would challenge... uh, the listeners to really have confidence and courage and to know that they have the obligation to be someone else's hero. They have the opportunity if they just look around to be someone else's hero, and they really have the ability to do so. Uh, And I would encourage folks to get the book. The book can be found at Amazon, Heroes Wanted Book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble Christian Books, or heroeswantedbook.com. And, uh, and I hope that the book is truly edifying to the reader, and and even more so, I hope that the book urges people to be intentional about reaching out across difference and divide.
0: Rodney Bullard's book is titled Heroes Wanted, it's also available as an audiobook from Oasis Audio. And my thanks to Oasis for making Rodney available to us today. More information about the audiobook is available at firstpersoninterview.com. The interviews you hear each week are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC understands the power of personal stories and invites you to receive a free 30-day online devotional telling stories of listeners around the world who tune in and hear the gospel proclaimed. Together with Scripture, these stories will stir your heart and tell you what God is doing in many hard-to-reach places of the world through FEBC's programs. Just go to FirstPersonInterview.com and click on the banner for the Far East Broadcasting Company. And don't forget to join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next time for first person.